In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, they are ravenous wolves. To put it another way, not every pastor is a good pastor. In fact, some pastors are bad. It's not that they're bad at preaching and teaching. Rather, it's that they teach and preach bad things. They preach and teach things that are not only incorrect, but they preach and teach things that lead you away from God. And the tricky part is this. They make it sound good. In fact, I would argue that many false prophets are some of the most eloquent and engaging speakers. They're captivating. They've mastered rhetoric. They've learned to scratch itching ears. And this is why Jesus' words are so important today and applicable. Jesus doesn't say beware of false prophets to some special group or like he's just talking to pastors or theologians. He says these words to you. His words are geared not toward the preachers and speakers of the word. This text specifically is geared toward the hearers of the word, the listeners. And so this is what Jesus says to you here today. And this is the, the basic teaching. Be careful about who you listen to and what it is that you believe. This is the chief takeaway from the gospel lesson. Jesus warns you about false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. This means that false prophets will not look like false prophets. They will trick you. They will mislead you. In fact, they're very, very good at this. They will look like and appear to be kind and gentle and soft. They'll appear to be true Christians. But inwardly, inwardly, Jesus says they are ravenous wolves. They're hungry for you. They want to consume and devour your soul. And this is difficult enough, but it gets more complicated. Because it's not just that they'll look like sheep, but they'll also sound like them. Jesus says later in the text, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, or everyone who prophesies in the name of the Lord will be in the kingdom of heaven. These false prophets will look like and sound like sheep. Now, I want to simplify this for you and bolster this down in your mind. But before I teach you any more about false prophets, as Jesus did, you have to understand there is a basic fundamental distinction between truth and falsehood. Doctrine can only be one of two things. It can either be true or it can either be false. And that's all. There is no middle ground and there is no third option. It can be true or false. Now, uh, we know what truth is, right? Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And Jesus also says in John 8, 32, he says, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
And then on the night when he was betrayed, Jesus prayed and he said, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So God is truth. Truth comes from him and then it leads back to him. And what about falsehood? Where do lies come from? Where do they lead us? Jesus tells us in John chapter 8, verse 44, he says, The devil was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is where lies, all lies come from. Falsehood, false teaching, false doctrine, lies about God come from one place, the devil. So you either have the word of God or you have the word of the devil. Either you have the truth or you have falsehood. And false teachers, this is the point, uh, false teachers tend to not talk about doctrine in this way, lest they expose themselves. Uh, this is just too black and white for them. It's just too simple-minded. Uh, they prefer to think about everything in the Bible as some sort of massive gray area that uh, we can all kind of discuss and parse out and uh, dissect. So they talk about lies and false doctrine. <clears throat> they talk about lies and false doctrine simply as a difference of opinion. Um, or as a matter of interpretation. And that's all it is, they'll say. They'll say, so what? We don't see eye to eye on baptism, or the Lord's Supper, or sin, or forgiveness, or the return of Christ. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I mean, we all believe in Jesus, right? So let's put our differences aside. Let's agree to disagree. And after all, how can we possibly know the truth? How can we really know what God is trying to say? The, the Bible is so unclear. It's so complicated. There's so many pages. There's so many words. It's so convoluted. It would be arrogant for anyone to think that they could teach true doctrine. Because after all, it's just a matter of interpretation. It's all a big misunderstanding. It's a little discrepancy. We're making mountains out of molehills. I'm sure you've heard this. I've noticed something uh, interesting over the years. It's these ones, uh, these guys, the ones who deny your baptism, the ones who deny the Lord's Supper, who deny what God clearly caused to be written in the Bible about uh, marriage, about, uh, about the creation of the world, those who deny all of these things, who are also the ones who are the same guys who will then say, why can't we all get along? Right? Why, why are you so uptight about all those details, all those things? Just relax. It's okay. It's okay if we disagree on this. It's okay if we're, we're different on this. It's the ones who dismiss the truth of God's word who then get angry at those who insist on the truth of God's word. And this is where we will say, no, it's not. It is not a difference of opinion. This is no child's play. 
This is no minor discrepancy. This is the difference between a teaching that comes from God and a teaching that comes from hell. This is the difference between a teaching that leads you to God and a teaching that takes you away from God. And they'll respond, that is so divisive. That is so arrogant, isn't it? You think you've got it all figured out. You think you Lutherans have the true and pure doctrine. You guys think you have it all together. And that's where we give an unequivocal and resounding, yes, we do. We do preach true doctrine, period. How can you say that? How, how, how can you possibly be so, so conceited to say that? We have the true doctrine because we have the Bible. We have the word of God, period. And, and a lot of people will recoil at this. They'll get angry at our insistence upon true doctrine. They'll criticize pastors for being overbearing, uh, for going by the book. Uh, they'll call them strict and harsh and stubborn and hard-nosed, all these sort of things. But the truth is, pure doctrine is not some impossible ideal. Pure doctrine is possible and attainable because the Bible is clear. Because everything God wanted to say, exactly how he wanted to say it, everything he means is written in the Bible. Let me give you one example of what I mean. Take, for example, the Lord's Supper. Every denomination has some sort of explanation and interpretation for the Lord's Supper. They will all interpret the words of Jesus in communion. And people will oftentimes ask me, so pastor, what is the Lutheran interpretation of the Lord's Supper? And I say, there isn't. We have no interpretation of Jesus' words. We have Jesus' words. Period. We have no reasonable presupposition, no philosophical understanding coming to, to our approach of the scriptures, no overarching idea that we import into the text. We have the word. What Jesus said is our theology. And we don't add and we don't subtract from it. Jesus said, this is my body. And so we say, this is his body. This is not his spiritual body. He didn't say that. He didn't say this isn't a part of his body. He didn't say it's a symbol of his body. He said, this is my body. And it is his body, as he said. And I say, that doesn't make any sense. How could that be? And I say, because he said so. Because God is God. And you and I are not. If he said it, then that's how it is. This is the word of the Lord. And so you take your thoughts captive and bow. And when it comes to the purpose and benefit of the Lord's Supper, what does Jesus say? It is for the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of your sins. And so we say, it's precisely that. It is for the forgiveness of sins. It is not a work of our obedience. 
It is not an expression of our faith. It is not a celebration of our uh, feigned unity or it's not a memorial meal. No, it is the true body and blood of our Lord given to us to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of our sins. God's word is our theology, no more and no less. Whatever God says, we say. And whatever he doesn't say, then we don't even dare to speak for him. Actually, I'll simplify it even further. We could summarize all Lutheran theology in one word. And that word is amen. That is yes. If you want to be a good Lutheran, a good Lutheran theologian, a good Christian, just learn to say this one word. Say amen. If you can say and believe this, then you know what it means to have pure doctrine. So when God says that we were brought forth in iniquity, we were conceived in sin at the very moment of conception, we were evil and uh, ready to be uh, uh, ready to die. We don't fight against it or argue it or discuss it. We simply say, amen. I was conceived in sin. In sin, my mother bore me. This is most certainly true. And when the Bible says baptism now saves you in 1 Peter 3, we don't fight or argue or discuss it. We say, amen. Baptism now saves me. This is most certainly true. And when the Bible says by grace you have been saved through faith, we say, amen. Yes, it shall be so. And for us, this is how it goes for the entire Bible, for all of God's word. That is what it means to be a Lutheran. That is what is so crucial and important for you to know. Anyone who tells you otherwise, who tells you that doctrine doesn't matter, that these differences are just differences of opinion and minor discrepancies, is a false prophet in sheep's clothing. The reason this particular false doctrine, uh, this particular false teaching of doctrinal indifference is so attractive to us is because it means that we don't really have to put in much work. It means that we can just listen to whoever we want blindly. It means we don't have to give all of this theology and the Bible stuff much thought or consideration. We can just hop around from church to church, listen to whoever is most eloquent, flock to whichever preacher is most entertaining, most engaging, and just go naively with our life without much commitment to the word, to what God said. It also means that we don't have to have these difficult and uncomfortable conversations with our children and our family members who go to different churches. It means we don't really have to worry about who we marry, who our kids marry, who, where we commune, or what we say and do. We don't have to think at all when doctrine is just a matter of opinion and absolutely uh, just a minor discrepancy, then why bother? Now, this indifference to doctrine is what you, would, uh, what you do is if you are an immature Christian. I know it's uh, fairly harsh, but this is what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 4.14 says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, as we mature to the full measure of the stature of Christ, 
Then we will no longer be immature infants, tossed to and fro by the waves and cared about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. An immature or infantile Christian is tossed to and fro and cannot stand for anything. But a mature Christian cares about doctrine. He stands for doctrine and will die for it. He will not let anyone trick him out of it. He won't be tossed back and forth between false teachers. He won't back down. He won't be deceived by false prophets because he knows the truth. As long as he has God's word, he knows the truth. So how can you tell when someone is trying to deceive you? How do you know when you're dealing with a false prophet? Well, I'm afraid to tell you that there is only one way to tell, and that one way is not the easy way. Uh, There is no litmus test, uh, no visual cue, no buzzwords that you can listen for. Uh, You can't Google it. You can't find it online. There is no shortcuts. You can't just follow a pastor because he is nice or because he's outgoing or because he pats your children on the head. Uh, You can't follow a pastor because he's eloquent or clever or even because he has an LCMS logo on his shirt. Make no mistake about it. There are wolves in sheep's clothing, even in the Lutheran church as well. This is sad, but it's true. So there's no easy way to walk into a church and find out. This is the way you do it. You have to listen. That's why Jesus says you will know them by their fruits. The fruit of a teacher is his teaching. So that means you have to listen and pay attention to what the preacher says. And then you have to judge it. Judge it against the Bible. You scrutinize it. You have to know the Bible. And in order for you to know the Bible, you have to actually read it. And it won't help you that your Bible collects dust on the nightstand or that it's stuffed in some drawer somewhere. That won't help you. You have to read it currently, presently, ongoingly. You have to know what the Bible says. And if you don't, then you will fall prey to the wolves. All right. Uh, So I've spent quite a lot of time warning you about false prophets. And this is a serious thing. Uh, You must take it seriously. If you care about... Uh, God, if you care about going to heaven, you must be serious about this. Uh, If you take it lightly, you will fall away. Um, However, I want to give you some sort of comfort in all of this. And in fact, from this text at the first glance, it doesn't seem like it's very comforting. But there is a comfort even in the very warning of Jesus here today. So here it is. When Jesus says you have to be careful about what you hear, what Jesus means there... is that you have to be careful about what you believe. How so? The reason Jesus cares about who you listen to and what you believe is because he loves you and he wants to save you. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay, well, how do you get that faith? And Romans 10 says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of Christ. 
And this is precisely why these two are inextricably connected. Uh, This is why Jesus cares so much about who you're listening to and what you are believing. Faith and hearing are tied together. If you hear the word of Christ, you will have faith. If you don't uh, hear the word of Christ, don't pay attention to it or listen to false prophets, then you will lose the faith. Okay, so how is that a comfort? It's a comfort because if Jesus cares about what you hear and believe, then that means that when it comes to salvation, it does not matter how you have lived. That means when it comes to salvation, it does not matter how you've lived. You see, the, the way you live matters. The Bible is clear about that. You should strive at every moment to keep and follow the Ten Commandments. This is true, and you must do this. But not for your salvation. In fact, when it comes to your soul, to your salvation, to your getting into the kingdom of heaven, it does not matter how you have lived. What matters is what you've believed. It does not matter what you've done. It matters in who you trust. About 500 years ago, Martin Luther wrote it so beautifully in the small catechism and the Christian questions and answers. He writes a series of questions intended to prepare Christians to receive the Holy Sacrament, the very body and blood of Christ. And he writes 20 questions to prepare you. I'm just going to read the first six. Uh, So listen to what he draws from the scriptures. He says, do you believe that you are a sinner? Yes, I believe it. I'm a sinner. How do you know this? From the Ten Commandments, which I have not kept. Are you sorry for your sins? Yes, I'm sorry that I've sinned against God. What have you deserved from God because of your sins? His wrath and displeasure, temporal death and eternal damnation, as it is written in Romans 6, 21 and verse 23. Do you hope to be saved? Yes, that is my hope. Now here it is. In whom then do you trust? And the answer is in my dear Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get that? He asks, do you hope to be saved? And you say, yes, yes, that's my hope. I want to go to heaven. And then notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't ask, okay, now, well, what are you going to do? Or what will you change about your life? Or how are you going to be a better person from here on out? No, he asks, okay, you hope to be saved. Then who do you trust in? In whom then do you trust? In other words, do you trust in yourself? Do you trust in your works? Do you trust in your motivation, in your intention, in your elaborate excuses of your sin, your self-justifying, and all of the good you've done? Do you trust in this? And the Christian says, no, not in the slightest. Never. I trust in my dear Lord Jesus Christ. He will save me. You see, did Jesus satisfy the wrath of God and pay for all of your sins on the cross when he died? Yes, he did. And did Jesus not fulfill all righteousness in his baptism and life and impute all of his good works to you as if you did them? Yes, he did. 
And did Jesus not convert your heart and bring you to faith? And hasn't he also named you and adopted you as his dear son? Yes, he did. And does not Jesus wipe the slate clean of your guilt every day by his own blood and mercy? Yes, it's true. He does. Dear saints, that is doctrine. This is the true and holy doctrine of God, the holy gospel. This is why God went out of his way, leaving his throne in heaven, dying on the cross, being buried in a tomb, resurrecting just to give you these words so that no one would change them, so that these words would last forever. So don't give these words up. Don't for a moment let anyone snatch these words away from you. Don't let the devil trick you into giving it up for anything else in the world. In fact, flee from other things. Flee from other teachings. Flee from, flee from every other doctrine. Run for your life. Mark and avoid those who tell you that doctrine is not important, who tell you that uh, what you listen to doesn't matter, who tell you that what you believe just is inconsequential. A lot of false prophets will come up and try to deceive you in this life. But as you heard in the Old Testament reading, the day will come when Jesus will take them out. The day will come when he will silence them once and for all. The day will come when he will save you from every lie and every attempt to separate you from him and you will only hear the truth the truth that the Lord loves you, that he has done everything for your salvation, that he has wiped every sin away from the Father's memory, that he does not remember your sins anymore, and that on the day of judgment, he will not accuse you of sin. But he will forgive you and announce you to be perfect and holy in his sight. So don't get discouraged and don't grow weary or faint. When you see divisions in the church, don't give up. Keep fighting for the truth and stand firm in the doctrine of the scriptures. Trust in the Lord. He will never let you be put to shame. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.